Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Well, welcome to this Valentine's Day Sunday, where we are daring to imagine that the original and, and true source of love, God Himself, has planted in us the ability to dream, to dream something greater, something even more awesome than we can imagine. One of the greatest gifts God has given us is the gift of imagination, to dream. Maybe you've never thought of it that way. Maybe it's never crossed your mind. But God gave you the ability to see things with your mind, to, to think, to, to create mental pictures. And the reason you have this gift is because God has it. God imagines. I mean, he simply thought and imagined the universe, and with a word, it came into being. It came into existence. And, and you are so much like your creator when you are being creative. And God likes that. Nothing comes into being unless you first imagine and, and, and think it up. Every building, it didn't just appear. It was in an architect's mind and then on plans. Every business, every company, every piece of art, every musical note was imagined by someone before it became reality. Before we make a decision, we, we imagine what would happen if I do it this way. What would happen if I do it that way? And that helps us then to make our decision. Everything that's been created by human beings began in someone's imagination, and that's a gift from God. And like any gift, any gift, it can be used for good, and many of you do, but it can also be used for bad. And, and sadly, too many people are misusing their imaginations for evil. The Bible gives us three categories of imagining, if you will. First, there are some things, quite honestly, we shouldn't imagine, that we shouldn't allow into our minds. The Bible calls these evil or vain or empty imaginations, depending on where you find it in Scripture. For example, a very simple one is worry. Worry is a misuse of your imagination because when we imagine something in our mind that makes us afraid, fearful, then we start to worry and keep thinking about it, maybe even obsessing over it. That is actually a misuse of our imagination because God didn't give you your imagination to picture something in order to start worrying about it. The Bible says in Psalm 73, their evil imaginations have no limits. We see that in our world today. We see things that, that we, can't even, we, we can't even imagine how somebody could imagine some of the things that happen. Lust is a misuse of imagination. Revenge is a misuse of imagination. As you plan and plot in your mind how to get back at someone. And we can go on and on and on. But the Bible says there are also some things that you and I can't imagine. And that may sound kind of strange, but the Bible says in Job 37, we cannot imagine the power of the Almighty. 
for someone to create things, all of existence by imagining and speaking it into being is beyond anything we can comprehend. The Bible says that heaven is so wonderful that that when Paul had a chance to see a portion of it, there there were no words he could use, nothing he he could bring back to even attempt to describe it. And of course, this morning we, we think today about love. That the love of God for you is so great, you cannot fathom it. You cannot grasp. I, I can't. I mean, I'm not saying just you. I mean, none of us. That he would care enough for us. That he would send his son to die on the cross for us. That he would do all that he has done. He loves us more than we can comprehend. Finally, the Bible says there are some things, though, that we should imagine. In Philippians 4, it says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. That says there are some things that God wants you and me to fix our thoughts on, to focus on, to think about, to imagine that are good for us, that are good for the world. And so this morning, as we continue our our series, Daring Faith, which involves, you heard, dozens of groups, hundreds of individuals. Uh, We still have groups. We still have a handful of these left. We don't have many left but we still have them. Even if you don't end up in a group, it's something you can do each day in this journey. Today we're gonna look at some biblical truths about our God-inspired imaginations that are so important in our journey with God. And the very first thing is, my imagination, your imagination, it shapes our lives. The way you think affects the way you feel. And then the way you feel affects the way you act. So if you want to change the way you act, if you don't like some of the things that you're doing, you have to go back to the way you think and and adjust that and work on that. The Bible says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. It's God's way of saying that he works in our lives through our thoughts. For instance, the person who says, I can't do this. And the person who says, I can do this are both probably right. Think about it. If you cannot imagine it happening, it probably won't. I mean, we become self-fulfilling prophecies. The Bible says, be careful how you think. Your life, it says, is shaped by your thoughts. I love what Albert Einstein wrote. He's been in the news again this week because gravity waves have been confirmed, something he theorized over 100 years ago. He says, imagination is more important than knowledge. Logic will get you from A to B. Imagination will take you everywhere. The true sign of intelligence is not knowledge, but imagination. Second, imagination is essential to living by faith. We can't see God, 
So we have to use our imagination to live by faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. You know, God gave you and me two ways of seeing. He gave us physical sight, but he also gave us our imaginations, mental sight, if you will. And when we can't see something physically, we have to imagine it in our minds. Faith is seeing the world then as God sees it, whether or not it's truly in front of us to imagine it, to take his point of view, and and that means sometimes we have to imagine it because the world doesn't always reflect God's point of view. It's seeing that I really am forgiven. And some of you would argue, no, there's some things we can't be forgiven for. And I would say, no, you have to imagine in your mind what Scripture says, that yes, there is, you can be forgiven. Or that you are loved by God, even when you don't feel it, even when you think, I've, I've let him down, I've done something wrong. Or how could he ever love me of all the things that I've done? Don't become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Don't go with your feelings. Go with what Scripture says and think and imagine God's truth for you. It's seeing all the promises of the Bible fulfilled in my life through Jesus Christ. Even when it seems crazy, even the world, when the world around us says, no way. And the world does. It says all the time. No way. It says that you don't count or you don't matter unless you fit in. And so we see young people doing crazy things and destructive things rather than imagining the world God is calling us to. It makes all the difference in the world in what you see and how you see. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, we set our eyes not on what we see, but what we cannot see. What we see will only last a short time, but what we cannot see will last forever. I mean, it means that this world, this, the material world we're in, in, in fact, is not what ultimately lasts. It's temporary. But in what we cannot see, the eternal, the heavenly realms, is forever. You know, you're sitting in seats. They're made of fabric and metal and plastic. And, and under the best of circumstances, maybe they last 100 years or 500 years or 1,000 years, maybe. But at some point, they're going to rust. They're going to decay. They're going to rot, even plastic, eventually. On the other hand, you can't see God sitting right here, you're not seeing him visually, the creator of those materials. In fact, take it a step further, the creator of the atoms and the subatomic particles that make up those materials. But he is eternal. There's so much we can't physically see, but that our imagination allows us to see, and that's the essence of what it means to live by faith. And here's, here's something else that you need to hold on to. Great lives are built around great dreams. None of us are born great. Not even someone born into a great family. We become great by becoming committed to a great cause, a great purpose, a great dream in life. 
We need something bigger than ourselves to draw us out and help us grow to become the person God created us to be. During this daring faith, I, I, I want you to unlock your imagination. I want you to dream. I want you to think about how God wants to use you and your abilities and your career and your future and your finances and your family and your circumstances. In fact, there's a passage of Ephesians that's really kind of like a prayer. And I would say a prayer for you. In Ephesians 1.18, it says, May God enlighten the eyes of your mind so that you can see what hope his call holds for you. So you can see what hope his call holds for you. It's a prayer for an enlightened eyes of our mind. Not physical eyes, but imagination. Paul's asking that God help our imagination come alive to see the things of faith that are part of God's dream, God's vision, God's purpose for your life, not what the world around you says, not the, the, the social security number that's assigned to you, not what even family or friends say is true about you, that you can never succeed or you'll never amount to anything. Those are, those are man-made pictures, and man-made pictures cannot last. God's picture is, I created you. I loved you. I created from the beginning of time, I made you and saw you with a purpose in your life beyond what you probably have ever imagined. That is the secret to true significance, to satisfaction, because God, God is never going to do something meaningless or empty, like it doesn't have any value. He only does great things, and he wants to do great things through you and me, which leads us to the fourth thing, and that is that God's dream for my life is bigger than my dream. It's always bigger because it is always about eternity. It's always about eternal significance. There are a lot of dreams you can dream, but only God's dreams are truly big because God's dreams are always about eternity, yours and others. In Ephesians 3.20, it says, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. That was far more than you could ever imagine. That's what scripture says. It's not what Randy says. It's not what even a Rick Warren says. It's what Scripture says, that God can do that in your life. Even in your wildest dreams, God can go beyond that. Imagine the biggest, wildest dream for the sake of God, and God would tell you, I can imagine more. He can do it because every Christ follower has God's own spirit living in us. And it is the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. It is the same spirit in whom all of creation came into being. When we dream big, when we dream God's dream using our imagination, we're showing we trust him. We're choosing to live by faith. Some of you remember in 2007, early in the year. In fact, it was after communion. I can still remember. I was over here praying. 
And I felt like God was impressing on us that there was some land, about 10 acres, which is now, some of it is actually being used for our, this part of our building over here and eventually for some more fields out there. And, and it was like, I felt God saying, that land is for us. And it was like $975,000. And I said, there's no way, God. We just moved into this building. We've still, we're still paying for this. How in the world? And, and it, it, was, I, I, it scared me. I mean, that's all I can say is it was like, this is, this is, this is too much. This is craziness. And yet God wouldn't leave it alone. And I felt like God was raising up this dream in us. And, and that fall, we, we took an offering. And there were people who told me, even people of, of means in our church, that it's never going to happen. And we didn't raise 970000 In one offering, God used you to give $1.165 million. God did that. God did that. I, I couldn't dream big enough, but God did, and it happened. Here's the thing. Don't let others determine the size of your goals. Don't let others say you can do only this because God's dream is always bigger than my dream, and, and let the size of my God determine the size of my goals. Let that be the determining factor because God's dream is bigger. And yet, honestly, it's hard to grasp because we all struggle with this thing called doubt. Doubt is the enemy of imagination. When I let doubt and fear work in me, I put roadblocks in the way of what God can do in and through me. It takes courage to imagine because we all battle a fear of failure to some degree. Some of us cover it up better than others. But we all battle it. When you were a kid, you had a great imagination. That's just the way the kids are. They can imagine all kinds of things. But the older we get, the more our, our imagination grows rusty and we stop imagining things that could be and more start just living the way things are. We get stuck in the status quo, which is Latin for the mess we're in. Doubt is the enemy of imagination which is why it takes courage. And you know what courage is? We sometimes we put these big, big thoughts out there or whatever, but courage is, is doing the thing you fear. I mean, if, if you're not afraid, you don't need courage. Courage only happens when you're feeling fear and you decide to do it anyway. If you wait until the fear is gone, you'll never move. Because it won't go away until you first move by faith with courage. Then it goes away. You have to ignore all the insecurity you're feeling and just do it. And James, it says, but any of you need, if any of you needs wisdom, you should ask God for it. He is generous to everyone and will give you wisdom without criticizing you. But when you ask God, you must believe and not doubt. Anyone who doubts is like a wave in the sea blown up and, drawn and down by the wind. Such doubters cannot decide about anything they do. They should not think they will receive anything from the Lord. I mean, this says if you need wisdom to know God's dream for you, you should ask God for it. 
asking. You have to doubt your doubts and believe your beliefs. But what's the problem today? The problem is most of us do just exactly the opposite. We believe our doubts and doubt our beliefs. Your imagination in your life is going to be governed by one of two things, either faith or by fear. And it's your choice. Nobody else is making you do that. It's your choice. If you let your imagination be governed by fear, you're going to go around stressed. You're going to be worried, worried about what others think, worried if you have enough, worried if I can get through this, and you won't get anywhere. And then you give up. You give up on God's dreams. When you live, when you allow fear to control your imagination, you live a miserable life. Many of us in here know that feeling firsthand. Instead, we have to say we're not going to allow fear to dominate. We're going we're to allow faith to dominate. We're going we're to trust God. We're going to believe that, as Scripture says, all things are possible with him. And then your imagination starts to focus on what could happen, on where God is pointing you, good things that can change your life and, and especially the lives of others. You know, there, there's a great story in the Bible about a man whose son was sick and comes to Jesus. And the man says, in Mark 9, 22, he says, the spirit often throws him into the fire, into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. And Jesus asks, what do you mean, if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. And the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I want to tell you, that is one of my favorite lines in the Bible. It really is, because it is so real. It's not this fakey, fakey, like, I never have doubts or I never struggle. This guy comes to Jesus and he's so concerned about his son. He's honest, though. He, he says he believes, and yet he, he knows there are doubts at work within him, which, which I think describes all of us. He says, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief or my doubts. And Jesus says to him, no, not until you get it all worked out. No. Jesus says, that's good enough. And he heals the man's son right there. I remember early in my Christian journey, a friend of mine in the church I was going, a, a guy that was a little older than me, been on the journey longer than me, a person that I, I looked up to as one of the leaders in the group I was in, he, he said to me and some others one time that, and, and, and this has stuck with me, he said it was a sin to have doubt. And, and that really hit me. In fact, it really bothered me because I knew my faith wasn't by any stretch perfect. And, and as I have reflected over the years on what my friend said, I gotta tell you, I think he's completely wrong. Completely wrong. I wish someone back then had told me it is human, it is normal to have doubts as long as they don't rule me. You have doubts, I have doubts. I, I don't have all my doubts resolved I don't have all my questions answered, but I don't have to to follow Jesus and experience his blessings in my life. Let me tell you, I, I've been doing this for a while now. 
I've been to seminary. I've been preaching for something over 30 years. I've read through the Bible several times. You know what? I still have questions. There's some stuff I don't understand. There's some stuff that I I can't explain. There are things that happen in some of your lives I don't have an answer for. I can't say, this is why it happened. Or I understand. I've stood right here in this auditorium in celebrations of life at times and said to people after someone has been tragic, has tragically died at, a, at an early age or through some difficult circumstance that, that it is natural to ask why. David asked why. Job asked why. But what is not healthy is to stay stuck in those whys when we don't get an answer. Because the only one who has all the answers is God. But if you remember the temptation of the serpent in Genesis chapter 3 is that we would know everything and be like God. That is always his temptation, that somehow that we have to have all the answers. We can figure it all out. There's, There's a reason behind every little thing. And that's not what God is saying here. When I get to heaven, I've got some questions. I'm going to ask them respectfully. And it doesn't mean even then he has to tell me the answers. But any Christian who has given this any time and thought has to come to realize that doubt is is not the problem for belief. I believe but I also have some doubts. And and, and if I thought I had to have all my questions, all my doubts answered, I would never become a Christian. And I encounter some people, and you've encountered people, saying, I gotta get all my answers. I gotta get it all figured out. And and what I've learned, and, and, and this is so important, is that I don't have to understand something completely. I don't have to have it all figured out for it to benefit me. Let me give you an example. So, you know, I have a mechanical engineering degree. I went to, to college. I even took electrical engineering courses because I had to. And yet when they tell me that one of these wires, this solid wire, there's electricity going through there, that, I can, that something I can't see is being pushed through there and stuff is happening. And if I'm not careful, I could get shocked. But if I use it, it can do all kinds of good things. I don't get that. I mean, my mind still doesn't see that. I don't, I don't understand it. But I guarantee you, I have no problem plugging in my iPhone and my television and anything else that needs to be plugged in. I don't understand it, but I'm still using it. There are a lot of things... I don't understand that I can't figure out. Man, they're talking about gravity waves this week and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's a brain ache. You know? And there's some people who have some understanding, but even they say they don't have it all understood. And yet, real things are happening. I'm talking, and this, this thing is so tiny. This little microphone right here, I mean, it's like that. And yet it amplifies my voice. I know, I, I, I know some of the math. I, I've seen some of it. But I, honestly, I don't fully understand it. But I'm using it here this morning. 
I'm using it. There are a lot of things that I cannot explain how they work, but I don't have to explain them to enjoy them. Does that make sense? Does it, does it, does it click? And so I don't have to have all my doubts answered and all my questions resolved to live by faith. Guys, that is a monumental jump that many people never want to take. But it is the most honest. Lord, I believe, help me overcome my doubts, my unbelief. And God says, that's good enough. Have you ever said that to God? Help me with my doubts, God. Maybe that's something you need to do this morning. Because here's the thing. Faith only matters and only happens where there's a place for doubt. There's no place for doubt. There's no need for faith. Faith only makes sense where there is doubt. One of the problems with doubt is that when we let it stay in control of our lives, the fear and the worry that begin to arise from it begin to sap our dreams and vision. A lot of people start off with a great dream, a great vision, a great cause, a great purpose in their life, but over time, it begins to dissipate because of doubt. It's like a helium balloon. You fill it up, and at first, it's going crazy, but after a day or two, if you got the, the, the little cheap latex ones, or even the miler ones now, they don't last forever. Eventually, they begin to sink, and some of you have sunk down because you're not dreaming anymore. You're not believing. So how do you refuel your dream? You refuel through God's spirit and God's word. God's spirit and God's word. Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper who will stay with you forever. He is the spirit who reveals the truth. You know him because he remains with you and is in you. See, it's not self-help psychology. And it's not just working on a positive mental attitude. If you were in a Daring Faith group this week, you know that was, one of, that was a question that maybe came up. This is God's own spirit working in you, giving you the power you don't have. The other source for refueling is God's word. Psalm 119, open my, my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. Help me understand the meaning of your commandments, and I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. To meditate means to think on, to imagine, to consider. We can and should do this on a daily basis, where we, we listen to God as we read his word, as we talk to him through prayer. The key to refueling vision and God's dream for our lives is a daily quiet time with the Holy Spirit and the Bible. We want to make it simple. It is simple, but it takes effort. It doesn't just happen. You don't just become filled with faith. The Bible says work out your faith with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's a process. It's a journey to read God's word, to listen to him, to talk to him, to think, to consider. That's what energizes. That's what refuels vision. Without this daily time, our vision leaks. And it's one of the things I love about daring faith. Because these journals give many of you the opportunity to do something that you don't normally do, to do something every day in God's Word, to read a scripture and then reflect on it. And for many of you, maybe that is now, as we've come up here on, we're on day 15, we're in the start of the third week. For many of you, maybe now a couple of weeks in, it's maybe 
little bit, not as funny or awkward as it seems, and maybe it's starting to begin to build a habit in you of spending daily time with God where his word and his spirit work to refuel you. I want to tell you, we're not going to see God's dream for our lives until we spend time with him, until we, we let him grow us spiritually because God can work through our spiritual maturing to help us see dreams, to see clearly his dream, his vision for our lives, which leads to our final biblical truth about imagination. If a dream is from God, it will be connected somehow to his church and his plan for the world. I mean, why would God give you a self-centered dream, unconnected to his plan, unconnected to his purposes, unconnected to his instrument, the church? The church, yeah, yeah, the church has got its problems, but the church is still around. Why? Because the church is created by God. If it was a human institution only, trust me, there have been enough ways we could have killed it off a long time ago. The only reason there is still a church is because the church is of God, and in our best moments when God is truly working in and through broken and messed up people, the world gets changed. God wants to use you and me in his plan for his world, and the church is his idea. He didn't put you here, he didn't put me here to live self-centered lives like the world revolves around me and I deserve everything. He put me to be a part of something much bigger to save and transform the world through his people, his family of faithful followers. And when he gives you a dream, it will have to work somehow through his church and his plan for the world because that's how and where he is working. That's what he is doing. That's what he cares about. And after Jesus' resurrection, just before he went back to heaven, he gave every follower of Christ a critical part of every God dream, which we call the Great Commission. Matthew 28, Jesus said, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Guys, Gateway is here because of the Great Commission. Not because, God, that all would be nice to have a little fellowship of folks over here. Every church, that's the purpose God raises up a church. Because there are still people who do not know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And so our work is not finished. And, and, and this, this great commission thing, it's not just for like the church, like this big institution. You're the church. It's for you. The church doesn't happen through the big things. It happens through individuals taking their own responsibility for what God has laid upon them to do. God's dream for your life is going to somehow play a role and be connected to his overarching plan, the growth of his church and the establishment of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We were not put here simply for ourselves. Jesus said, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. 
God wants to help you live your life for the sake of the good news, for the sake of the Great Commission. And I wanna, I wanna help you get started on your journey in finding and living God's dream for your life. Some of you found it, but some, maybe many of you haven't. You, you may have been missing it or haven't even been searching for it or didn't even realize it, but let me tell you, you can start today. In fact, I believe, I, I believe maybe you are here today You believe God's hand is at work. You are here today because God wants you to know it is not too late to start. But you do need to start. Here are three questions to ask yourself to help discern God's dream for your life. First, what if? And then be open to the possibilities. What if I did this? What if I did that? What if I tried some things some new things, to give God opportunities. I, maybe there's something I've never dreamed of doing, but I go and I try it and, and unlocks a door into areas I never imagined before. Try, because it may open the door. Then second, ask why not? Why isn't it being done or done enough? Then ask why it's, it's not happening. Understand that. And then third, ask, why not me? Why couldn't I do this? Why couldn't I help with this? All too often, people, they point to the problems of the world, poverty, illness, disease, illiteracy, corruption, and ask why they're still here. God, why are they still here? But maybe God is waiting for his children, you and me, to imagine the solutions and join him in solving them rather than pointing to somebody else to do it. Remember, Jesus said with man, it's, Impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Maybe it's time to pray and ask God for direction. God, this is too big for me, but I'm not gonna look at what I can do, but what you can do. I'm gonna let the size of my God determine the size of my goal and go after it, your dream, your dream. I'm gonna move, I'm gonna take a step. I'm not gonna just simply wait and, and be in a holding pattern in spite of my fears and doubts because all things are possible with you. I want to tell you, God is looking for some people who are tired of small thinking and weak self-centered dreams. And this whole series, this whole Daring Faith campaign here is to remind you that you were made for more than just existing in life. You were made for more than taking up space and breathing oxygen. God's dream, God's vision, God's goal for your life is so big that you probably can't even imagine all of it right now, but he is waiting for you to take a step, to take a first step, to act in faith, to tell him you are all in for God's plan and his goal for your life. God will use you if you say yes, and he'll use your imagination to begin to then see what the world around you cannot. Great lives are built on great dreams. Heavenly Father, help us to dream your dream, to imagine what you are doing, how we can be a part. Help us overcome our doubts, not necessarily to get all the answers, 
but to have the courage to say yes in spite of our questions. Help us, Father, to trust you. It's why you tell us it's a relationship. It's not a, it's not a system. It's not a rule thing. It's a relationship. And do I trust you and believe that you have my best at heart? You created me and know what's best. And you desire to work in me. Not so I can get all my needs met, but so I can be used to help meet the needs of others. Because in that, we are becoming who we were created to be. Father, help us to say yes to whatever dream you're putting on our heart. And even more than that, Father, help us to dream. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.